Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Friday with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. Kimberly, Lee Iacocca, Murgatroyd. What in the world? I don't know why he finds this so funny. I think viewers wrote in and they were like, please stop doing that. Hi, honey. Hi. What are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about the five books that have truly impacted not just our life, but also our business. Can I go first? Um, sure. That was a long, awkward pause. I was going to say pregnant pause, but I don't want pregnancy anywhere around me. So I'm going to say that was <laughs> that was a long, awkward pause. Sure. Okay. So um, the book for sure that has impacted me the most is The 4-Hour Workweek. And that's probably no surprise to people that know me. And frankly, no surprise to any entrepreneur in the world. It is one of the best books ever written. Now, I think it just recently had its if I'm not mistaken, it's 10 year anniversary. And the information in the book, I, I'm going to say 75 to 80% of it is 100% relevant to today. And the disclaimer on the 25% is that technology has just radically changed. Well, but it know. wasn't a super actionable book. So the thing with the four hour work week from Tim Ferriss was that it, it spawned an idea. You know, it it just was outside of the box of what the norm, you know, go to college, get a job, click nine to five, get your paycheck and check out, you know, when you're 70 or whatever it is. And the book was just outside of that, but it wasn't super tactical. So I think that's probably why it stays relevant. Correct. It was a, um, oh, I said correct. She's got, <laughs> she's got a thing now. I I'm going to take a guys, shot every just, time Rob says saw, correct. <laughs> anytime you guys hear me saying correct. Take um, a shot. Yeah, just, uh, just send me a message and say, stop saying correct because I have this new thing that I'm doing. I'm saying it a lot. So I'm just going to have to train it out of me. Yeah, I mean, look, the the book uh, was a very high level view. I think the book was mostly written about efficiency um, outsourcing and getting you to look at things in a very different way. In other words, if 95% of the people are doing it going this way, then you need to do what you're doing the opposite way. And very often the opposite way is the thing that's going to give you the biggest result. And I think there is two things that came out of that book that you know are, are super on the tip of my tongue. One is Parkinson's Law, which is the... Um, uh, projects will swell in the amount of time that you give the project. So for example, if you want to have a project, if you say, I need this thing completed by Friday at five, well then miraculously, um, the project will be completed by then. If you say it's going to be completed next month, well then the project will swell and become bigger so that it's, it's completed next month. So be very sensitive to the timeline. And then the other thing is the concept of Occam's razor. Now, neither of these two concepts did he make up. He just sort of um, surfaced them, resurfaced them. So Occam's razor basically is whatever problem you're trying to solve for, very often the problem is the most obvious 
solution that's out there. So when you're when you're wrestling with you know, something that you're trying to figure out. And you think it's so complex. It's generally not the most complex answer. It's generally the stupid, obvious one that you should consider. How That's about you? The most simple. What's your, what's your, uh, your top book? Um, my top book, I think, is The Go-Giver. Uh, I love all of the series, but it really, I think, put into words a way that I kind of probably felt growing up, but it gave... A story. So if you haven't read The Go-Giver, it's amazing. It's like story about creating massive success through giving, providing value. And they actually talk about the five um, strategies to stratospheric success, but they do it in a way that they like tell a story, you know, and like there's a moral at the end of the story kind so of it's, thing. It's, it's kind of like a, it's one, it's one of those fable books that you see yourself in the fable. You see all the screw ups that, that you've done and how you've been, you know, you don't, what's so funny about this book for me with you is that you don't live your life this way. So I think when you read a book like this, it reinforces the life that you're like, yeah, this, I want to be, even, <laughs> Someone gets I want to be even more like that. I read the book and I'm like, I just fucked this whole thing up. I, like, <laughs> I am, I am not even, I'm in, I'm in every cautionary tale in this no, book. No, you're not. And that's no, but it gives you a place to grow, whether regardless of where you're starting from, right? So for me, like, let me just read the the five laws of stratospheric success, okay? Just so people have a basis of what this book is about. So law number one, the law of value. And it works out to basically provide way more value than what someone is paying for. And that's so true in any, whether you're building a mastermind or you want to build an Instagram following or any business, if you provide more value, that's going to set you apart in that we talk about that a lot. So the law of compensation, that's a great one. Your income is determined by how many people you help and how much you help them. The law of influence is the next one, is the third one. And that is you have to place other people's uh, influence in the right bucket. Your interest is always going to be taken care of. But if you really take care of somebody else, then your needs are going to get met automatically. And that's just how that works out. The law of authenticity, I think, speaks for itself. And the law of receptivity. And this is the law of like balance. People are always like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I just want to help everyone in the world. I just want to help, help, help. And that's amazing. But guess what the yin to the yang of that is? It's receiving. And I'm horrible at this. And this was a really good light bulb moment for me. Yes, I lead from a giving heart, but I don't accept very well. And so whether it's a compliment or a gift, like gifts and comp, like that makes me so uncomfortable, but I have to realize that's the law of reciprocity. That's the law of you know, if I want to give, 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 I also have to be willing to receive or else the the karmic or the universal, you know, seeing that through the the circle of life there is not complete. Yeah, I like that. I have no problem receiving. Um, I'm, I, I, <laughs> You're the opposite. I actually, as you were saying that, I have a, I have a list of gifts that I actually like to give. <laughs> he has like a gift list on Amazon uh, that no, he's been building. I, I'm actually kidding. If I, you I, actually I, had the password to Amazon. I, I do have, unco- I do get, un- you know where I get uncomfortable in that area? For example, we're doing uh, a video now for the mastermind and people are, they, we recorded testimonials. It is really difficult for me to watch people talk about 
me and giving me a testimonial. I cr- like I. I'm, well, it was just like I'm having to approve the edits, but I cringe every time yeah, I see it. It's just like when we were in Greece a couple of years ago, and Lori said, "Okay, let's go around the table and talk about how Robin Kim have impacted our life," and it was such a beautiful moment, and there was so much that came out of that. But I, if I would be lying if I didn't say I yep. had like diarrhea the whole time. I was sweating and my ass was puckering for <laughs> an hour and fifteen minutes. Okay, what is what's, a puckering ass? Um, I, I'll send you a picture. What? <laughs> Is uh, what is the? Uh, so I'll send you an emoji. Yeah, I'll send you an emoji. What is the next book? Um, the Daily Stoic. So another book on my life. <laughs> Number one, you'll never have time to read this book personally, Kim. Uh, she hasn't read this. I have, but if you did read it, you would get a lot out of it because you think you're a smart gal, and this is a smart book. So just for context. When do you read the Daily Stoic? All right, so just for context. Is it daily? It is a daily, it is a daily thing. For context, the book is a encapsulate, it is a daily paragraph of Stoic philosophy. And by paragraph, I mean like seven sentences, followed by an interpretation of those seven sentences. Now, it's kind of amazing that a book that was written, that these Stoic philosophers were, I guess it's 2,000 years ago, were spewing philosophy that is so relevant to today. And it wasn't until a guy named Ryan Holiday, who a lot of you may know, he's written a lot of famous books, came and said, okay, well, let me try and make this, because it is still written 2,000 years ago, and you have to sit there and really think about it. But with with reading it on first First read through, you kind of get 50% of it. And then when he gives you an interpretation with, with the following paragraph, you get the other 50%. And it's, there's two things that come up. One is how remarkably relevant it is 2000 years later. And two is how they struggled with the exact same things that we're struggling with now. So the way I use it is it's part of my morning ritual. Probably takes me five minutes to read the passage. And I think about it uh, throughout the day, and it stacks it stacks on on each other as the weeks go by, and you start you know doing this every day. You start it it it, it gets weaved into the fabric of your life. Can so you give me an example? Yeah, just for a lens to look through, people will very often confuse stoicism with somebody being, you know, they'll say, oh, he's, she's so stoic or he's so stoic. And what they're really implying is they're cold and insensitive and they have no feelings. Which is why when Rob came to me and he goes, oh my God, I got it. You're a stoic. I was like, oh, awesome. Yeah, that's not what, that's not what stoicism, that's not what stoicism is. Uh, Stoic in Greek, in Greek means porch. It's the Greek word for. The Greek word for porch. And, and so these people would go, you know, like all, all these different stoic philosophers, they would go on to porches in Greece and they would share their wisdom. So it became stoicism, right? Um, But to give you an example, back in the day, a couple of thousand years ago, the Epictetus, I can't believe I pulled that out of my ass, would wear a purple robe. And the way his robe was purple is they would get the dye from from a shell, a seashell, uh, and they would would dye the, the cloth and make it purple. And so- he would teach people that you look at this purple robe and yes, I am nobility. I am in a a certain stature in our world here, but let's not forget that all all I really am is a man 
that's wearing a piece of cloth that was dyed with the blood of a seashell. And so it makes you look at things like a lot of times, and the way that's relevant for me for today in, in today's world is you can look at like Instagram and you can see somebody, you know, showing their highlight reel of how great everything is. But the reality is they still go to the bathroom. They're still just people. And I think that these philosophers did such a beautiful job of explaining that. That was perfect. Okay, next book on deck. And another one I haven't read, The Story Brand. So The Story Brand is a book that I'm reading now because it's been recommended by a lot of people. So every single movie, commercial, or anything you've ever seen has embodied something called The Hero's Journey that was written and created by a guy named Joseph Campbell. You know, Star Wars is a classic example of that. And so there's a journey that the hero goes through. And what this guy did was he took the thing that movies and television know that everybody, they whatever story they tell, it's always the same thing. It's some it's somebody who has to overcome something. He doesn't think he can overcome it. He rises above it and he wins and then he comes on the other side of it. So there's like seven steps to it, but that's basically what it is. And so what this guy did was he took the hero's journey and he created a book that you can take your business and your customer becomes the hero. And you take your customer through that hero's journey. And it's really, really good because what it does is it allows you, if you, let's say you have a sales page or something, it allows you to speak specifically to that customer and take them on the journey as opposed to what most people want to do, which is to talk about the features and benefits of their product. And nobody really cares about the feature or benefit of the product. The only thing people care about is them. What are you taking me through and how are you going to help me? And I think that, that book does a really good job of that. All right. Awesome. The last one, which I know you read a long time ago and probably have read multiple times, The Success Principles. One thing I just want to say as like a small parenting tip one time Demi, our older daughter, got into some trouble. And I can't remember what it was, but it was like maybe freshman year or something like that. And her punishment was to read the success principles and she had to do a report, like a book report, but in a very specific way to make sure she actually read and consumed the, the information. Do you remember that? That was actually her punishment for whatever she did. So... Parents out there, other than just throwing them in their room, throw them in their room with the success principles. Yeah, we punished her with success. Um, <laughs> That's funny. pretty funny though. Sh shocker coming from us. <laughs> so the success principles is really simple to explain. It's like a 600 page book that was written by Jack Canfield. Hence the punishment. Yeah. <laughs> and really what it is, is it's very, very small chapters of everything Jack Canfield has learned about success and it starts with like, you know, chapter one is on responsibility and it goes as far as to say, take responsibility for everything. If you are sitting at a stoplight and the car behind you rear ends you, it's your fault. Now you would argue and go, well, wait a minute, I was just sitting at a stoplight. I didn't do anything. And his argument is take responsibility for everything. And by everything, that means everything. So if you take that to a fault, you won't error on the other side where you don't take responsibility and you for, blame other people. for anything. Yeah, and it goes all the way from that into goal setting and all of the usual suspects in the world of success. But I think it does a very beautiful job in a very simple way of just taking 
very proven principles, hence the title, success principle principles, and putting them into action in your life. And you could just read, you know, like a chapter a day. It's a, it's, it's a book I'll never, ever, ever get rid of. All right. So those were our five books, but I want to put you on the spot. Yeah. Because you mentioned your morning routine. Yeah. Okay. So you are a creature of habit. And every day uh, before you go to bed, you set out on the kitchen table a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And you walk through a morning routine. Can And there are some books that are there. And I know The Daily Stoic is one of them. Can you walk us through real quick your morning routine and any other books that are sitting on that that setup that you do every day. Do you want the full morning routine starting with my shake or do you want just the... Give me your morning. You wake up. Don't tell me about going to the bathroom. Just pick it up after that. <laughs> what did you think I was going to tell you about going uh, to the bathroom? God ba- knows. Okay. So I, I get... Look, here's here's the tip if you have kids. Get up two hours earlier. That's <laughs> that's just the, sh- the best tip I can give you because you're not going to get shit done if you don't. Like if you want a calm morning. Yeah. Yeah. Get up just earlier. Just get up early. Um, so the morning routine for me is um, get up, uh, take a shake, not just any shake, but our special shakes. Number two, I will... So there's two or three different things I do in the world of uh, supplementation. So I'll do that. Drink 40 ounces of water, make the coffee. Take your vitamins. Take my vitamins and then uh, sit down and I have... I basically go through a protocol. And the first protocol I go through is gratitude. After gratitude... What do you do in gratitude? Gratitude is is uh, is two parts. Part one is and I, I circle in my mind, the people that are around me, my wife, my children, my dog, my mom, my dad up in heaven, your parents. And so I circle and then I go into my friends. And so I I have like concentric circles that just go out. And that takes me three or four minutes. And um, I send healing to all of them and surround them in white light. That's just, I don't know why I do that, but I just do that. That's so deep of you. It's very deep. And then the second thing that I do is I give gratitude for my manifestation list. So, you know, in our case, some one of the big goals we're working on now is to change, to move from the East Coast to the West Coast to California. So I give gratitude for the beautiful home with an indoor and outdoor living space and the beautiful backyard for Sophia to play. I'm so grateful to have that. And so I go down that list of gratitude. And after I do that, I begin journaling and I do uh, three pages. The first page is... I just get out of my head, anything that's in my head, just ramble, just I write it for the garbage. If you read it, you couldn't even read it because it's mostly scribble. And there's just something about getting it from your brain to your fingertips and I just dump it. On the second page, I write at the top of the page, what are you trying to tell me? And that's a message to the universe. And I just listen and that one's more thinking about what's trying to come through me. And some weird stuff comes out there. It could be, your daughter in California needs more of your time and it could be stopping such a dick to your wife. You know what I mean? <laughs> it could literally be anything like that that hits me. I think that was just me. And then- Throw in my voice from the other room. And then the, <laughs> then the third page, um, at the top of it, I write, um, what would this look like if it were easy? What would this look like if it were fun? And what would this look like if it were elegant? Whatever my biggest goal that I'm working on, which I call my push goal, I I write the answers to those three questions. So that's the journaling part. After the journaling part, I then um, select my top three actions for the day. I put them in my push planner, which is uh, by uh, Shalene Johnson. You can Google it. And then I read uh, The Daily Stoic, which I said earlier. And then I, uh, the only time I have to actually read any book in my day where there's really quiet and quiet, number one, and, and number two, I'm not dead 
for me is the morning time. So whatever, I, I always pick a new book that I'm working on. Uh, the one that I'm reading now is uh, Jen Cicero's uh, You're a Badass at Making Money. And I'll usually read one or two pages of that, maybe five pages, depends on how, how quick I can get or through. Or when Sophia gets up. Or when Sophia gets up. And yeah. then you move into I Spy. And then I move into uh, to I Spy with Sophia and then, uh, and then the morning starts. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Just wanted to wrap that up. Well, there you go. Those are our top five books that we love the most. We hope you do too. Have a great week, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.